Welcome to 52 Episodes to Science Fiction Film Literacy. My name is Chris Garcia. Roll sound. The rise of television meant that a whole lot of programming was needed. And it was expensive to do programming at that point. And you, to make a show was costly. So one very popular way was to take existing movies and put them out in various forms. This led to the rise in the 50s and 60s of the horror host, who would basically do an introduction and then show movies and have cutaways and such that they would do. In the Bay Area, we had creature features. And one of the things that people started to realize was that you could purchase films, foreign films, and bring them to the U.S., redub them, and then sell them as packages to TV mostly, but all sorts of different groups bought them. They toured small theaters, rep houses. They were the second halves of double features a lot of times. And they were almost all foreign language films that weren't very good. The most interesting of them probably being the El Santo movies from Mexico. But I know lots of people who would swear that there are amazing French and German and Japanese and Soviet, all sorts of science fiction films from around the world that were shown in various formats. What's really impressive is the absolutely incredible variety of these films and how much they show the, I guess the best word is, lackluster <laughs> production that a lot of these films got. Italy had been making movies since, well, pretty much since the Lumiere brothers, and they'd been making great historical films since at least 1913. Uh, I think what was called The Last Days of Pompeii was a beautiful film from that period. It was almost a feature. I think it was maybe even 55 minutes. And there's a very particular Italian form of acting. And you see it in a lot of the works of people like Fellini, who sort of... It's a combination of naturalistic, but also very deadened. And you, you once you see it, you absolutely know what's going on. Uh, Marcello Mastroianni was a classic at it, no question. So, you have Italian films, which were doing fairly well. There were a lot of them being made. And supposedly, the first science fiction film from Italy was The Day the Sky Exploded. Now, I've never seen this in a subtitled form. I've only seen the dubbed version that came over to the U.S., and it's bad. Bad, 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 bad. Terrible. And I think part of that is the dubbing, and part of it is the fact that when it was made, it was using this sort of Italian film vocabulary that doesn't necessarily translate to American genre films. And by putting the English over it and dubbing it, there automatically becomes a disconnect between the expression physically and the expression vocally. Now, the story is pretty simple. It's a disaster flick. It is, there, a rocket has gone off, it ended up going off course, and that led a whole bunch of meteors to come hurtling it down towards Earth in this sort of cluster, and all the nukes on Earth have to be sent up to destroy it. Sound familiar? Armageddon, Deep Impact, any of those films. This is what the cloth that they are cut from. Same thing. Is it well done? Eh. I'd like to see it in the original language to be able to determine it. But here's what's important about it. 
science fiction at this point is worldwide. By the 50s, we're definitely getting science fiction from Japan coming through. It's French has some wonderful science fiction films. England, all of these countries are doing science fiction films. But not only that, they're also publishing science fiction books and have science fiction magazines. And the science fiction tradition in Italy is pretty darn important as far as writing goes, though they didn't really move beyond their borders until probably the 80s. Uh, you started to see Italian science fiction in translation. Now, they've got all this happening. So one thing that really happened around this point is a lot of the science fiction, particularly from France and Italy, is very heavy. It's very dark. Spanish science fiction especially. And this definitely plays from that sort of tradition. It's an end-of-the-world story. Sort of. Spoilers. It doesn't really happen. There's no end of the world. Go figure. Um, but it's a story that does something really interesting, that a lot of countries that had been involved in World War II sort of go through. And it's this idea that all of our science that is allowing us to make amazing discoveries is at the same time putting us in grave peril. And that's ultimately what this story is. This is, particularly the Americans, are doing these great scientific things that are all going to doom us. That's a very, very classic, European particularly, concept in science fiction. And it works beautifully here. That said, the production values, particularly the effects, aren't up to snuff. They aren't to the level where they can move beyond the limitations of the technology. Which is why once we had the technology, we started making movies like Armageddon and Deep Impact and so on and so forth. Uh, Melancholia, another one which has similar ties. Now, it can work, and at the time it did. There was a film called uh, The Day the Earth Caught Fire, which is incredibly good. It's English. Uh... And I think part of that is that there's no language disconnect. And I think maybe that's why I'm sort of seeing that. This is a wonderful little film to sort of give you the idea of what was going on in international science fiction at that point. But you might want to watch it on YouTube and have something else going on also. <laughs> 